Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And thank you all for listening. I know we took a week off because I was in Nashville watching my sister get married. Um, I guess not just watching. I was actually officiating the wedding. Participating. Yeah. That, how did that feel? Felt, well, it felt great officiating the to wedding. marry your sister. I, I, <laughs> I cried uh, multiple times, and not only that, but um, there was a part, apparently uh, my sister and her husband uh, kissed too quickly, and so they, the photographer made them restage it, and so that it looked mm-hmm. like it was the real thing. I had to stand there multi- for like multiple attempts at long, lingering kisses. Oh. It's really upsetting. Yeah, wow. that's no good. Yeah. Did you have a talk with the photographer and be like, did you think about how everyone in this all stakeholders in this situation might feel it was for the pics though you know i guess so i mean i would have fired that photographer on the spot i think i don't think okay well that's drastic too (laughs) (laughs) both of you are not reacting the way i want you to anthony's like well i just had to do it and daryl's like fire him and and just rampage yeah no that's that's no good um okay so we are going to be reviewing the new Netflix show Shadow and Bone, which is based on, uh, I guess, a few different fantasy novels by Lee Bardugo. Um, And uh, Daryl, you were the first person, I think, to kind of check this out and and get pretty excited about it. What uh, what attracted you to Shadow and Bone? What a cool name, first of all. But I think... The first of our group, by the way. I don't think he was like the first people. I was ever. the first person to. He's not like the cool hunter who discovered it. <laughs> He's not like a trendsetter. He was just of the three of us. Sure. <laughs> but they they yeah they did a trailer, I think a while ago, and I watched the trailer and was like, this looks good. It's got a lot of the stuff I like, which is world building and then like uh, uh, inscrutable assumptions that you like already understand a lot of the world <laughs> off the bat um but it, you it like that good, in a show i do like that in a show i do <laughs> just like pretend that i'm picking up where we left off but we never left it's like a to me it's like a, a fiction sudoku puzzle or something where you're like oh okay right all did you google anything while watching no no i didn't so I just looked at it and I was like, "There's a, there's already a six in this row, so I can't wait." How many numbers are in Sudoku? <laughs> I've never played Sudoku. I think nine. Or wait, no, is it zero through nine or is it one? Th- it's one through nine because yeah, that's right. So six slots. is there. But you know what I mean, right? Six so you're is like making there. out by abs. How many or stars like... do people rate podcasts with? <laughs> Listen, it's I know like five is the joke. only number that we will accept. <laughs> um, oh, Okay, you carry on. So you like the inscrutable yeah, assumptions. Yeah, and I liked a lot of the... Well, actually, not most of the actors I didn't know in this, but I really like... Um, What's-his-face from Westworld? Ben who, Barnes. Kerrigan. Ben Barnes. Yeah. General Kerrigan. Yeah, the general. So the he's great. One. I like him in everything, basically, that I've seen him in, which isn't that many Punisher. things. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. He, he was great in way. The Punisher. Great in The Punisher. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I like fantasy stuff. And I'm <laughs> missing my Game of Thrones style thing. There's not. There's nothing out there that, that even approaches it, I thought. So I was hopeful about this one. And wow. 
That's all. That's what I got. The superpowers, kind of. Though they're magical, I guess. It's got right. some Avatar vibes. Last Airbender, not uh, Avatar, the James Cameron movie. Yeah, yeah. The good Avatar. Not the, <laughs> not the stupid one. <laughs> I mean, it is... I guess it's interesting because I feel like this and The Witcher... Um, because it it feels like obviously any fantasy show that's made now has some influence from Game of Thrones, but it also they also feel a little bit different. Like they're maybe made for a slightly more YA audience, especially this one. Um, right. Yeah. Definitely. Although I didn't realize this was a YA targeted fiction 100%. until I checked about the source material. And then you also just listen to like four or five minutes of dialogue no no i watched the whole series and was like this was aimed at me (laughs) man (laughs) i mean this and in general this feels a lot like the witcher in the sense that it's i mean similarly kind of confusing at the start like this this in particular just like the first 30 minutes i'm just like what is anyone (laughs) saying they throw a lot at you real fast a lot of jargon, a lot of terminology to cope with. I felt with. like after the first episode, I really was, I didn't, I felt like I knew less than I did coming in. You know what I mean? Like I, I they really like flip you around and you don't really know what the plot is. Like you kind of have an idea of who the main characters are, but not why. Right. It's just a lot. Yeah, they sink that up on you. The, the general setup is that there's this country, this fantasy realm called Ravka. This is a spoiler for the first episode, by the way, because you don't really get the general setup in the first episode. You, you sort of do, but well, it's explained, words. but you just don't understand it. So I'm just... Yeah, 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 at all. Like, you have no context around it. This will help people's enjoyment, then. It's not a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's going to help. It's true. It's fair. Go ahead. If we do a good job, we'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so there's a, you know, fantasy land called Ravka, and kind of it's split down the middle um, by this thing called uh, oh god I'm like the totally fold blanking. the fold yes and it uh, the fold is basically this giant dark space um, where anyone who goes there's a very very good chance you will die um, because of these monsters right uh, yeah, oh sorry did I did I spoil your little no I think that's fine. Yeah. And then, like, you might think, well, why don't why not just go around? But uh, there's, like, for political reasons, they can't really go to the north or south. So, um, Also, it's really long. So that's <laughs> annoying, too. Yeah, It divides the country, essentially, into east and west, like, effectively. Yeah. And they're right. cut off. And so there, there are, like, a couple of different storylines, um, which, from what I understand, is actually drawn from different books by the, by the same author set in the same universe. But it mm-hmm. was sort of the show decided to put them together. Yeah, and so one is about this uh, girl named Alina Starkov, who, without getting into spoilers or details, clearly has like a, a sort of chosen one narrative and and you know powers that are tied to the fold and and things like that, um, and and will get sort of pulled into um, a bit of a, a love triangle, and then there is this less kind of high fantasy destiny kind of storyline about this group of criminals known as the crows who are tasked with or decide that they want to take on this really high risk high reward job of um kidnapping uh alina because of what is sort of revealed about her over the first few episodes 
Um, and then there's some other storylines as well, but those are kind of the two main ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. heist one. Well, it's a human heist, I guess. And then the other one. I thought you did really well, Anthony, for what it's yeah, worth. Yeah, that was you good. Really nailed that. Yeah, that ended up being useful. <laughs> five stars. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jordan, did you like it? Yeah, I actually did like it. I still have a couple episodes left, I think. Um, I mean, the dialogue, I definitely didn't feel like this, hey, this was aimed at me. I felt like the dialogue, I mean, maybe me, because I really enjoy young adult movies and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I really liked it, but I definitely felt the dialogue was like a little weak in some parts. And I also, I don't really like Kerrigan all that much. Like that actor, it just like feels like too pretty. I don't know. Right. So so Kirigan is like the, the general of this group known as the, the Grisha, who are the wizards of this world who are who have been sort of viewed with, with suspicion. The Jedi of this world. Yeah. I liked that it was like kind of it felt somewhat fresh, right? Like a lot of fantasy and like old medieval stuff is based on like Western history. And yeah. this was like more like Tsarist Russia. I think they, like, the world building was pretty good, except for, like, there's so many. There's so, like, a glossary would be good. You know what I mean? And it's a really tough balance of people who have, like, read the books and are coming as this built-in fan base of not, like, doing too much exposition and just boring the shit out of them, but then giving new new people a place to onboard. Right. And I can't really say how well they did because I didn't read the source material, but... I did feel like there was a lot a lot of different vocabulary to go through and try to like suss out a little bit. It, yeah. it got to the point of distraction, I think. Well, the geopolitical particulars are pretty complicated too, right? And you got there's like a, there's a country in the north and a country in the south and they have also different things and then there's the there's the east and west parts of this country that are divided, but then there's also like an additional peoples who the main heroin is like part of i don't even know which geography region they're from but they're at war with the ravka i think but anyways there's a lot yeah, the going Fjordans on or whatever there's the feudans but there's the shoe shoe yeah which i think right? basically means asians yes yeah, I, think- I think it does mean that <laughs> <laughs> um but that's like a different country right but they're like, yeah. I, and they all treat Grisha differently. Like it's weird. Like in Ravka, Grisha is okay, and it, they're part of the okay, army. Okay, kind but of. Also, but they're tense with them, right? But yeah, they're a little like hateful towards them as well. But then in other places, it's like really bad. Like Ravka are like killed and hunted and stuff. Yeah, and it just seems like somewhat. I don't know. It's like a real confusing. world, but it's a lot to to kind of digest early on, right? Like, I think there's some good, I mean, well, it depends. So they, I got to see more of it. But there's some things about the relationships that are like, oh, yeah, like, this does make sense. There's some subtlety to it. And then there's other parts where it's like, wow, that's really, like, painted with broad strokes. But it's also in a time where they don't have, like, frequent international travel or anything like that, right? So they're bound to have more kind of, like, clannishness and closed borders and stuff, I guess. But. I don't know. It's there's a lot going on geopolitically is the bottom line and you're not going to get it even if you like enjoy it, you're not going to understand how everyone relates to each other by the end of it, at least speaking from my experience. 
certainly not in the first few episodes. And um, I would actually say the thing that I had the, like certain things I could figure out pretty quickly of just like, okay, Grisha basically are wizards, although they don't like it if you say magic, you're supposed to call it the small science. Um, right. And um, although I think there is magic, which is a little bit distinct as you kind of see it later. Yeah, because I the think season. theirs is all based on like uh, like uh, manipulation of elements as opposed yeah. to like creating or... right destroying yeah. necessarily it's like a manipulation of existing elements there's like a whole thing later on about like that to be able to do that manipulation you have to put your like hands together so which is why all the um right anytime you imprison a grisha you keep their hands apart um but there i guess there are certain like magic magic maybe doesn't require that um but what i had a hard time the hardest time with at the beginning was just figuring out when we were in east ravka and west ravka um because I think some uh, characters are on one side and the, some other characters on the other side, but I couldn't, that wasn't super clear to me from the start. Myself caring at any point. <laughs> I was like, oh, they have to go across the fold. To one part of it or the other. Yeah, like, let's do the fold thing. But I never, I never really, I mean, I guess you can assume that Kirigan is on the east because that's where the royal family is. Right. And the west is where the rebellion is happening. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can assume that Alina starts on the West because she's no. fighting a war, right? I think part of what's confusing, she starts on the East and then it looks like they're going to try to go to the West. And then when they're attacked in the first episode, she ends up back in the East while somebody else from her ship ends up in the West. Ends up in the West. Yeah. Which is where the, the heist people start out. And then are right. they, then they cross over to the East. Go East to get Alina, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And then what's-his-face, Mal, who we haven't talked about at all, didn't he go into another country's territory? I guess maybe the Fjerdin? Yeah, I think it was the Fjerdin. Yeah. Who have machine guns. Yeah, there's like some, not steampunky, kind of steampunky. Yeah, I whatever. would say steampunk adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Elements to it, too, which is cool, obviously. There's also some like Western elements that. to it. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, we're kind of Russian, but also wild west yeah definitely they borrow from a lot and there's there's the even the high seas part of it even though there's no sea because they travel on big sail ships that go over sand yeah which is actually stolen from monster hunter as everyone knows (laughs) the The originator of that idea um (laughs) right so so mal as you mentioned is kind of one of the other main characters who is like childhood friends with alina and um, is also in, in the army, or rather there's like two armies. There's the first army, which is soldiers, and then the second army, which is um, Grisha. And uh, Alina and Mal are kind of separated early on and, and spend a lot of the, the show trying to reconnect with each other. And, and I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say that, you know, there's, there's also a little bit of romantic tension there as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say in general that like, I found Alina, Mal, and especially Kirigan, you know, reasonably compelling, and, and I enjoyed that show, but the show that was the heist show with the crows, I liked much more. Yeah, I think they were a lot more... It's kind of like... I mean, it's a little bit like a Star Wars analogy, almost, right? Like, the you could you, you follow luke and whatever and you're like right great journey of the hero he's very noble or whatever but you really like han and and i guess chewy to some extent too right who are like more realistic and approachable and charismatic 
Um, and that, that's similar here, right? Like the main characters were main characters. They were very idealized and like endowed with heroic qualities. But then the crows were fun and interesting and had like dimension to their characters, right? Yeah, I agree completely. I, I preferred the cro- the crows. And I think that like when I was reading about Shadow and Bone and the source material that like all of the crow story happens later in like books four and five hmm. and they pushed it up because it's arguably like the, everyone's favorite part. <laughs> um, and so I think they needed to combine the two, but I, I agree. I, I And I also found like the whole Mal, Alina, Kerrigan thing to be like a touch too on the nose. Like it was all very, generic and they're like let's throw in something unique here right like it i don't know it just felt like super super formulaic i think it's hard to pull off that kind of like noble childhood best friend prince charming thing right like it's so tropolicious from the beginning that you can't yeah yeah their thing was that flavorful you know for for ya audience i feel like that's like possibly appropriate because they aren't exposed to too much prior to coming across this material you would imagine right so Hmm, in the sort of more uh you know the sort of chosen one storyline the storyline around alina kerrigan is by far the most compelling character at least until that starts to intersect with the crows as well right um but i i would agree with jordan also that the dialogue is not great um and it has kind of the one of the problems I had with The Witcher as well, which was that most of the time they try to stick to this um, really high fantasy elevated dialogue, not in terms of like bees and thous that I can recall, but like, you know, there's no like informal modern language, except once in a while it cre- creeps in there. And when it does, it's super distracting. We're like, wait, what? Was that just mm. modern slang? That's kind of weird. Yeah, that that is an issue. I think they also... I mean, I don't think they're very ambitious with, like, the dialogue overall. I think it's a little bit kind of, like, just, just like, okay, I guess you you did it. You, t- you ticked that off the list um, as opposed to making it super interesting throughout. And also they do so much, because of all the, the complex world building, like, they spend so much time just kind of, like, talking about that and, like, what's going on and the relationships between the various factions. And it's a lot of explication which is never makes for great dialogue i guess right yeah what what how do we feel about the accents because there are it's it's there's a lot of british accents in the show i'm not 100 percent sure yes there are yeah. how authentic they are but there, there are a lot of them and and that also adds to the confusion in the in the first couple episodes so you're just like what what did they say was that a real world word or a fantasy word i can't tell because the accent was so thick yeah i think i mean i don't know i always i always associate that with fantasy because uh, <laughs> i guess I'm traditionalist i'm like oh yeah i mean british people are like <laughs> fantasy people i guess <laughs> i love it in general when in in movies you have europeans who are not british but just to like make us think they might be actually no no like they always like make i guess europeans speak with with sort of like like russians might be speaking with a russian accent even if they're speaking uh english in this case it's more just there, most of the cultural signifiers are Russian, but the accent is English. Because why not? Yeah, that I mean that's a weird 
I didn't really get that, and, I, and that left me we think wanting about to read more of the source material too, because I was like, why is everybody's name is Russian and their and their kind of like outfits and stuff are vaguely Russian and Tsarist, I guess, and then it's like, yeah, they're all British though. But again, it's like, well, I accept it because I guess they're fantasy characters, so. That's just the fantasy accent. It's not really the British accent. <laughs> and I enjoy the mishmash element of it, that it's, it's not just yeah. drawing from one, um, but, but different pieces. You know what did that? It was because I watched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe growing up t- way too much as a kid, like the BBC version of it, mm-hmm. the miniseries version, and that imprinted in my brain, like, oh, by the way, this is how fantasy people Well, are. I think that's I think how, that's yeah, most, uh, you know, because most fantasy is sort of inspired by, by Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and so everyone sort of associates it right. with uh, British accents. Uh, and I, I have to say, though, in, in general, that I... I really enjoyed the show. I, you know, thought it was going to be sort of more of a guilty pleasure, which it is in a lot of ways. It's not a great show in the sense that it's artistically ambitious or thematically rich or anything like that. But in terms of just by the second or third episode really grabbing me and, you know, just pulling me all the way through for for the full season, like this worked so well. I was totally addicted and super enjoying it. (laughs) I love that. I also, I mean, I same. I I've enjoyed it a lot, and I was like, oh, I really want to see what happens next to these people. How does this thing resolve? And then also, just the moments of I thought that the some of the performances were really great. Some of the characters I just really loved. Um, in particular, I don't know his name, but Gun Guy, Gun Guy, yeah, I like him <laughs> uh, a Jesper, lot. Kit Young yes. as Jesper, one of the crows. Yeah, yeah, Jesper was was fantastic. Um, yeah, and I mean overall, the Crows group was good, and all of them I enjoyed. But I think he was a real standout in that in that collection. I agree. He was definitely the most charismatic. Although I liked um, Kaz Kaz's face; he just has this very intense, pointed face. Yes, yeah, he does, and he's very good at expressing kind of like this, like I don't know what it is, but it's like a suspicion of every situation, and then like a calculation that's going on simultaneously. I guess. Yeah, I really liked it too. I mean, I never had like a <gasps> moment watching it really. Like it's just it just builds momentum and you kind of like are along for the ride. And I think that um the like world building while it was like slightly distracting to me at sometimes that like also keeps you there and like keeps your attention cuz you like turn a corner and there's some weird new shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think in that way it was pretty delightful. Um is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into spoilers? No, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's fun for, I think it's just a visually fun show too. And like, if that's something that you're into, like watch that because it has some really neat, like we mentioned the kind of sand ships and the, there's some neat stuff around that. And then also the costuming is really, I think, interesting and compelling. Yeah, I would say the CG is a little dodgy, but um, it's it's like interesting enough that even when you're kind of like, mm, maybe you should have spent a little more money on that. It It still looks interesting. Yeah, it's still fun. Like, it's fun the way that a book is fun, almost, right? Yeah. Like, you read the pages of this illusion or whatever we want to call it, small science happening, and you're like, you can imagine it. And I feel like this this is similar in that way, where it's, like, not the best CGI in the world where it's blowing your mind to see it, but the idea of it, watching the idea of it happen is cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if you have not watched the entire first season of Shadow and Bone and you don't want to be spoiled for what happens, uh, you should stop listening now. 
I kind of don't want to be spoiled. Like, did you guys both finish it? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay, so I have like two episodes left. So when we get to that part, maybe I'll leave. Okay. Yeah, you can tap out when when we get there. If we start talking about things that don't sound familiar, we can just you can just tap out. <laughs> um, but so I, I, one of the things that Daryl was alluding to earlier um, that I think is kind of the big question in the early episodes is uh what's the deal with kerrigan and is he oh yeah i guess that was a spoiler to me it was not a spoiler because it was like this is always the way that it was gonna happen but they do in in fiction make it a question that's true (laughs) that that he so he's the leader of of the second army and the one who so alina is revealed as this uh you know prophesied uh, saint uh, known as the sun summoner who can basically you know uh, just create light which you know in normal circumstances would not necessarily be the coolest power right especially because there's people who can create fire which is another kind of light except it also is hot right <laughs> but in a, in a universe where or at least in a country that's split in half by a giant cloud of darkness light is is very important because they think she's the one who will you know, undo and destroy the the fold. Um, And so she's essentially uh, conscripted by uh, General Kerrigan and he's taken to this thing called the Little Palace where the the Grisha are are trained. Um, And over the first few episodes, they start kind of making eyes at each other. Um, And and then they they start a relation. Well, yeah, that they, you know, they start making out and looks like it's it's kind of going down that road um first base i guess you anyway yeah and then (laughs) right kind of at that point she also has a big demonstration of her powers in front of the king and kind of all the nobility of the country where it's really confirmed like yes we have found the sun summoner and as all of that comes together then this woman bagra who's been training uh alina takes her aside and says hey um actually kerrigan's bad (laughs) and he uh isn't like the just he's claimed that he's like the descendant of this uh grisha who created the fold but in fact she's like no 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 he's the guy who did it he's just immortal and he doesn't want to use your powers to destroy the fold he wants to um he he wants to use it use you to turn the fold into more of a weapon Mm-hmm. And now you've got to run away, which I guess wasn't like a twist. Well, for me, it was a twist. I, I mean, I knew that was a possibility, but I didn't know for sure if he was bad or not. I felt really suspicious of him the whole time. Like, I I didn't feel good about him. He was the guy who controls darkness, which if you're <laughs> making this kind of movie, it's like never like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's also a pretty good dude. Though. <laughs> like, I thought he might be a good dude, but tormented, you know? Well, and I mean, wait, they which kind episode? of try to get us to that point. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that where okay, he, good. where he, his wife or his lover or whatever is killed for being a Grisha. His healer, and he's really sad. And then he like goes full evil, but like that's not exciting. But they were all treating him like crap. Like I was, I was, I got around to it because the that's the that's the time, and this is. They don't tell us, I think, exactly, but it's like hundreds of years hundreds prior. Of years or in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
you get this sense that like oh wow they were really the grisha were like a much more marginalized group than they are even now right whereas now they're kind of like tolerated but like especially in this part of the country like viewed with disdain but tolerated because of their tactical value essentially mm-hmm. um and in other parts of the country they're they're like no they these people are awful like they're fully persecuted right like that's the one subplot is the guy who's a hunter of them the fjordan mm-hmm. hunter of the grisha right i just feel like that middle ground is so weird which middle ground i guess it's more realistic but in a show where like everything is not all that realistic it's weird when something is like the idea that they are tolerated and used tactically and they have like a little palace but they're also hated and feared and they make fun of the little palace they're always like oh the little palace <laughs> like the king actually makes fun of him right like i said it's probably more realistic to have like you know that kind of compromise between the two but yeah it's confusing yeah i mean i think it I think it's like, I'm trying to think of a real life example. I can't come up with a good one, except maybe this is going to be controversial, but like. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, I think. Do you? I have a feeling. I was going to say black say athletes it. and like the NBA, but I don't know. Oh, like no, it's, that's not what I was thinking. That's also awful, right? But like a lot of people, not just me, talk about that relationship as being very exploitative, right? Of, yeah, like, totally. People. There's a whole movie about it that we watched and we reviewed on original content. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shot so, on an iPhone. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's I feel like it's very believable. Maybe it's like to your point too believable for a sort of like a high fantasy piece like this, but I think it makes his whole thing like I just want to see more of it. Cause there's obviously hundreds of intervening years. We saw kind of like the key turning point and then but we didn't see how he got back into or we kind of did, I guess, like into good graces or whatever, but um, oh, I missed how he got back in a good grace. No, it was just at the end of that episode, but I don't really resolve, remember how it resolves. But it was kind of like, come with us and like be buds, weren't they? And he was like, I guess grudgingly, I have to go to the king or something. I don't remember. Anyways, oh yeah, I think I remember him. Yeah, but I, I, I think I have more sympathy for him than I think they even maybe want you to have. I don't know. I feel like he's a complex like character, and I feel like later on they're gonna explain more about it i also feel like we don't quite know like what his ultimate intentions are because like you go from okay he i have a strong suspicion that he's bad but he's acting good and then you find out oh no he's really really bad and then you see oh he's bad for a reason and then it goes to like oh he kind of is nice still in some situations but he's doing terrible things but he like seems to care about alina but maybe not care i don't know like what what's his north star <laughs> you know this, this does become a little bit clearer in the final episode in terms of at least what what his plan is it's i'm not sure that necessarily that you can draw a very clear line from like the backstory we get about his persecution to this sort of grand plan for for world domination that that he does ultimately have but um I, I do think that at least they convince you that he is somebody who's absolutely convinced that he is correct and doing what's right for, at least for, for the Grisha, although he also talks about sort of protecting Ravka. Um, 
And so certainly by the end, you're supposed to see him as the villain and not want his plan to succeed. But you also aren't necessarily like, oh, yeah, that guy sucks. Like we should, you know, he should just be killed off immediately. I I think that he's he's meant to be a little bit more ambiguous and compelling for that reason. I think he still reserves. I think his biggest thing is that he wants and this is like this. I don't think they say this, but this is kind of like my interpretation of it is that he wants the order inverted, right? Like he just wants, I think he still believes he has like national pride and patriotism or whatever. Um, but he wants the Grisha to have the real power and to occupy the first position and then everybody else to kind of like come after them, but he doesn't necessarily wish them ill. Right. But yeah. Right. I think that he, he sees, at least my interpretation, I don't think this is stated explicitly, is, yeah, the, this idea that our, um, you know, right now Grisha are tolerated because of our strategic value, but that is very fragile. And as soon as they don't see value in us, they, the, the, the sort of regular people um, will, will turn on us. So in order to secure our position, we have to, we have to be the ones in charge, not, um, not the current king and queen. Yeah. And they, the, to his credit, the current queen and queen, the brief glimpses of we get them, <laughs> or we get of them, do seem pretty incompetent and like stupid. They're just like you know, elites. They love right. their sweet treats. And also, we find out in the final episode that the king is like sexually abusing his, uh, you know, his wife's servant. What? I miss that too. I... Um, maybe you should pay more attention. What? <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that, but we don't really have to. I mean, it's it's not really a it's like a thing that comes up where you're just like, "Yep, King is a bad guy." Got it. Um, oh wait, now I kind of remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not in the last episode, second to last episode. But um, <laughs> so uh, at, as all of this is happening, um, the the crows are also like you know making their way to 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 the little palace. They're hatching a plan, and so. That like they're they're planning to kidnap Alina, which is interesting because you you're rooting for the crows, but you're also like, wait, I don't think you should kidnap her. That's that seems bad. And kidnapping so, is bad. Yeah. <laughs> what happens instead is that at the moment that Alina is told that Kirigan is bad, and so she should flee the palace, um, she runs out, and the carriage that the crows are planning to use to escape is kind of sitting there, and so she just kind of jumps into the trunk at the back. And so the crow, the you know, two of the crows come out, and they basically are like, "Oh man, she got away. We're not able to kidnap her." But the guy by the carriage is like, "No, nah, it's all good. Right, <laughs> we got yeah. her." And he does it in an infuriating way, but which just fits ask. with his character, where he's like, "Just ask." Yeah, just, just ask. ask. Yeah, he like, says, "Do just we ask. have an idea where she is?" <laughs> it's, he's it's like, <laughs> and you're like, "Dude, you're so annoying." But like, he also like can't really tell because like. <laughs> If they're like, yeah, the target is in the back of the carriage right now, then Alina's probably going to be like, wait, what? We're on the target here? She'll jump out. Oh, yeah, I guess she could hear <laughs> so them. So he just it's kind of like knows the whole ride there. Carriage trunk. And they don't know. Well, I think also, understandably, like if I were in that situation and, and the person I'd spent, you know, weeks trying to capture just jumped into my carriage, I would also just be like, are you, are you kidding me? But you'd have yeah, to have done be, everything be you did up until that point in order to get to the place where she jumps into your carriage. So it's not like, yeah, That's it's true. all worth None it. None of it was wasted. <laughs> I think I'm just uh, talking about predestination <laughs> a little bit here. 
um, although, so then the, the, the funny thing is they aren't actually able to, to keep uh, hold of Alina for very long. She just jumps out of the trunk in the next episode and blinds them. Although Inej, one of the crows actually, um, we, we find out she has, you know, is, is a member of this, like, has this religious faith that, that makes her really believe in and respect the, uh, the sun summoner, um, lets her go. And so instead of Alina having adventures with, with the crows, she has adventure. She uh, gets reunited with her childhood friend Mal, and they go looking for the, um, this white stag uh, that, that, he's, um, that has been sort of like also kind of exists in myth and is supposed to essentially amplify her powers. Or any, any Grisha's powers. Like. Yeah, because it's made of the bones... Of one of the original Grisha, yeah. That's where the bone you know, the comes from, Shadow the and Bone. He made it into animals. And, uh, I mean, I think that kind of gets us up to where uh, Jordan has been watching. There is this other storyline that we haven't talked about at all around this um, heart render, which is one of the, the Grisha powers. Like, the similar to... Yeah, you probably the best one. Matter. And particularly hearts. Yeah, you can just make their heartbeat faster or slower, and then... I think yeah, stop them. I don't know. You can stop them. You can sort of increase somebody's, uh, you know, feelings for you. You can also detect lies. Um, although, from what I understand, that's at least with polygraphs considered. You don't kind even. Of I don't think now. it's about detecting lies. I think it's about comf- like calming someone to the point where they're willing to tell the truth. Like if you can truly manipulate their sense of well-being. It's both, I think. I don't know. I think that some people are just did a, yeah, like a sniff test. It's like Daredevil. There's Daredevil a, there's a scene where they capture the guy known as the smuggler, and he they're interrogating him, and basically the um, every time they ask him, he answers a question, Kerrigan will look at his heart render, and the, and the heart render will be like, oh, that was a lie. That was the truth. Mm. Kind of like a, a lie detector. Yeah. Oh, that guy. I remember that guy. Yeah. He was he was an interesting character too, but I like the I kind of like the the weird side story about the Fjordans and didn't like it and then the I really liked it and then I was lady. kind of annoyed by it because I feel like the writing is worse with them than it is with anyone else. It's like a junior writer got that it's gig. very broad. Mm. I mean, all the romance writing is pretty. It's when pretty the show bad. shifts into romance mode, I like it. It's fun, but it's not realistic in any way. Yeah, it's just like that's out how of the teens blues. love. I like I you. <laughs> I do like you too. <laughs> His accent. Yeah, too. Th- I mean, the way that they come into their attraction was, and the then the accent was annoying. It was not. It was not very believable or like complex or richly told. So, so this heart render, who's also a spy for Kerrigan, she gets kidnapped by the the Fjordans, who are both at war with uh, Ravka and also really, really hate Grisha. So like he's like a, essentially a witch hunter, captures her on his yeah. boat, but their boat uh, shipwrecks. And so they, they swim to shore and fall in love. And Nina keeps him warm with her heart render past. That's another yeah. thing. And knew. then they had to, they had to take up. their clothes off because they were wet and then like, you know, warm each other with their body heat as you do. That's what we do. That's... Also right. a teen that's thing. normal too teen love thing yeah yeah 
But I like the Grisha Hunters thing because they're he's a very principled Grisha Hunter. So you're like, oh, this seems like a bad sort of enterprise. But yeah, he's like, also like, oh, but I absolutely have to hunt you and then yeah, bring you, you back to, to face trial. law yeah, as is the rule the and trial. Execution. Yeah. He's like, no, we got to do the trial. Yeah. And it's not a universal understanding because the other ones in the culture are like, just leave them they're gonna die anyway dummy like that's how this always works for us you didn't catch on to that yet which makes him like both a like kind of a lovable noble idiot even though he's doing essentially genocide and also just an idiot (laughs) because he doesn't even grasp the nature of their thing that they're in in by the end of it of the season i was convinced that he was a moron like like a charming moron but but absolutely a moron I think that basically covers the the plot lines that the Jordan scene. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Jordan? I feel like it's a good show. I'm excited to watch the last episode. You guys have fun talking about it, and then I'll DM you all my thoughts. That's <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> Bye, cool. guys. Have fun. Oh, I was gonna mention the stag, but that part wasn't in it. Like the the actual killing of the stag. That's still in a later episode. So I'm glad I did it. So so they they do they find the stag first of all, and and everything we've heard up until about that point is that you have to ingest the stag, which is kind of gross because it's bone and and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then, like a lot of things in this show, people figure things out maybe a little bit too easily, and so Alina's like, "Oh wait, what if I don't kill the stag, but I'm just nice to the stag?" I can just. Yeah, yeah, I can just like make friends with the stag and it will help. Right. Me. But yeah. then um Kirigan at this point has has tracked them down and so he kills the stag um with a very with his very cool power which is just like this sort of like his power shadowy is blade. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he's you normally like well, I mean darkness, so I guess you can make it kind of creepy, but he can make it into this essentially a death boomerang or whatever like a scythe that he just like casts through the air to like decapitate people or cut them in half which he does with pretty regular frequency actually through the show yeah um so so he uh basically uses the bones of the stag um not just to amplify his powers but rather to to kind of implant them in alina and then the the part that's implanted in him basically allows him to control Alina's powers in ways that are that are sort of hand wavy. Although we, we've seen before that he does um, seem to have some ability to tap into her powers when when he wants to, and so um, it doesn't come out of yeah. nowhere. Um, and then, but the yeah, the control module angle is unusual. But it's like you could just kind of like, oh, I assume he read that in lore somewhere and like figured right. it. Out. And it looks gross and cool, so you sort of accepted that he has this weird stump yeah. of a horn in his hand and then the actual horns are now like tied up in Alina's collarbones and um and so he takes her with him on this ship that's crossing the fold which the crows have also snuck on board and it becomes clear that, that what he wants to do is basically now that he has a way to cross the fold Safely using Alina's power, um, he can he can use his own power to manipulate the fold and um, turn it into a weapon. And and so the first thing he does is he you know expands it into um, West Ravka, which is the part that that is you know yeah. uh, once once independence, and then uh, big magic fight and also you know gunfight and. All, all of that fun stuff, which which ends with uh, Alina and the crows victorious, and the 
uh, and and uh, Kerrigan kind of disappearing and seemingly, seemingly dead. dead. Although even I, a person who is easily tricked, was like, <laughs> "That guy's coming back." Yeah, it was one of those classic like, "Didn't see a body. Doesn't he's not gone, right?" Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was good. Like the, this part where he, because he. He's supposed to be doing a demonstration for the people on board to like impress them, whatever, with the power. And she kind of thinks, and he impl- implies earlier that it's going to be like, oh, I'm going to like remove a, a big chunk of the fold or something, right? Like do something good. But yeah, then he uses it to like push it forward. But it's like not entirely an evil action because we get a glimpse on the other side of the West Ravkins talking about it and they're like, yeah, we're going to kill them as soon as they get here. Like it's a, it's an ambush. Like it's a uh, fun trick. So it's like you, you know, and you assume that he probably knew like it was a killer be killed situation, even though it appeared to be just like, but he, I mean, he took it farther than, you know, it's not like he just took out the military people. He, like, killed an entire town, right? Like, the port right, town right. over on West Which, Coast. there is, like, yeah. some awkward writing there where one of the other Grisha, who I, whose name I don't remember, but um, we may mostly know her for not liking Alina and also maybe being in love with Kerrigan. Um, she suddenly oh, just... right, the, Alina's rival. Yeah, she suddenly is like, oh, yeah, the reason I'm on this boat is because my aunt is in uh, this town in West Ravka. <laughs> Right, right. And then, so when when he decides to destroy West this this town, uh, she, you know, with some conflict, you know, does decide to to take the side of uh, of Alina and the and the other people fighting him. Yeah, I did not see that coming, honestly. But I mean, because they gave you no reason to see it coming until they gave this convenient reason at the very end. But uh, I was happy it happened. Also, you do get a there's a bit of a um additional motivation in that she's been in a previous love interest for kirigan or at least a like plaything for kirigan mm-hmm. sexually i guess and then she's a bit spurned by that or like does but initially it's positioned as all that motivates is jealousy for alina or against alina for her but later on you're kind of like oh like i guess like she was just maybe just tired of being treated like shit by this guy also right or at least some part of her knows that he is kind of horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then like things kind of wrap up fairly quickly after that where um in a way that I liked that like, you know, we haven't really had a lot of scenes with Alina and Mel and the Crows, but um they have this moment where they kind of come to an understanding and um Alina kind of gives him these really valuable jewels and said, you know, I'm buying you are silenced. So you don't tell anyone um, who I am or what happened, and and he says very seriously, "The deal's the deal," and yeah, um, and then they end up actually all traveling together back to sort of the the right. town where the crows started the story, um, and so it's kind Which of impl- a bit awkward because yeah. they're all on the ship together, <laughs> kind of talking about each other. Yeah, but it, I think it's sort of implied that like yes, they're pal- they're not. They're not totally buddy-buddy. They're not, like, trying to accomplish the same goals, but that their paths will likely cross again multiple times in Season 2. And um, 
And we also find out that the um, Heartrender, who was in this completely separate storyline for most of the season, is also on the same boat, and they the Crows right. need a Heartrender for their next scheme. So she will probably be getting involved. Um, and she wants to get her guy back from... I forget who? Who does she end up selling them out to to save him? It's, it's some other country that also... Well, I, I we don't know how they feel about Grisha. They definitely don't like... They hate slavers. Slavers, which is that I'm on board with this. Slavery is bad. So good, yeah. good job, other country, um, because they've, uh, you know, the heart render and the witch hunter who are now in love have ended up in this other country. Um, but at this point, she's been tracked by some of the uh, her, her old sort of comrades, her old Grisha comrades. Uh, and rather than going back with them, which would also involve them capturing and killing the witch hunter, um, she tells the the locals that they're that actually this this witch hunter is a slaver and so you need to take him back for trial you'll collect the bounty um but the the witch hunter is sort of unconscious for most of this because one of the things a heart render can do is you can slow your heart down and make you unconscious um and so when he wakes up he's like real pissed and is like i should never have trusted you which is i mean it's not a great situation but it it makes does make him seem like his he just goes like 180 multiple times in yeah. a really short period of time. Yeah, he definitely vacillates, let's say, but uh, really, really aggressively. It's not like he's like unsure about things. He's like very sure about one thing and then immediately very sure about another thing and then reverts that to being very sure right. about the he's other like, thing again. I hate you. No, I love you. No, I hate you again. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and so, you know, she's a little bit, I think, yeah, trying to figure out her next move. This is all setting up season two. And also setting up season two is the final season where we see Kerrigan walk out of the fold. And then all the scary monsters that were in the fold follow him and they seem to be obeying his orders. Yeah, he says, follow. And then they like emerge from it, which they are not able to do previously. That's a, like something about the way his power has changed has made this possible. Um and in the Wikipedia thing I'm looking at right now, it says assume his summons the army of Volkris who assume human forms, and I'm like, no, they didn't. I, that doesn't that's, happen. That's an assumption. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that that's what happens in the books, and maybe they yeah, will. Yeah, that that could be it. But it's definitely it he's got an army, and they're scary, scary monsters that rip things apart. So that's trouble. I'm I'm glad he survived because I think that. Yeah, it would be hard for me to feel as invested in any other villain if they just introduced, hey, it's new, new guy. Because they were, they were talking about this whole thing of like, oh, the apparat are also going to be like hunting you down. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'm not, I don't know that I'm super scared of the apparat <laughs> right now because I don't really know what that is. But when yeah. you know that Kirigan's coming back, like, all right, this is, I'm, I'm coming back for season two. Yeah, he's a known big bad. He has really cool powers um, that I think we've only just begun to see the beginning of. So definitely bring him back and like i mentioned before he's got like an interesting backstory that they gave us a glimpse of but not too much detail on so we want to know more about that and the we didn't even mention that bagger is his mother and it's just like what like what what's going on there like they're immortal seemingly immortal right which also the sum summoner is so there's this third category and they're also the ones who can do actual magic right as anthony alluded to but this other category of people who are somehow immortal and also have like these maxed out powers and we don't know much about them at all, but right. that's cool. And he gives this kind of amazing, probably my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of dialogue in the, uh, 
show where he talks about where Mal is just like, you you know, why would Alina ever want you now after she's seen what you, what you are? And he says, well, I have the one thing you don't, which is patience. And I, you know, I will still be here decades after you're dead. And whether it's one year from now or half a century from now, I'll be here when Alina forgives me. And it's like chilling. Yeah, it is chilling. And it's also maybe a bit Twilight vibes, but I don't know. We'll see where they go. <laughs> I mean, there is a Twilight element to their romance where you're just like, oh, actually, she's, you know, I don't know, what, 18, 20, and he is 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's you. I mean, he's too old for her, even without taking into account that his supernatural <laughs> aging, right? Like the actual character age difference. Right. Or actor age difference. Right. The actor's in his late 30s. And I mean, I think that's what, how we're supposed to assume the character is as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, final thoughts on Shadow and Bone? No, I mean, it's great. I mean, the, the other thing that the, uh, the Wikipedia entry reminded me that I thought was good was that there was like, the the original score has like Russian and Slavic uh, music influences, which kind of adds to that. But again, is confused by the fact that everybody is just walking around speaking in British accents, right? So it's almost like a thing where it's like this could have been such a cool part of it, except now it's more confusing because it's like partially done. But um, yeah, I liked it. Anyways, I found I found the whole thing really engrossing. I think, and that's what I want in like a you know, a fantasy world kind of piece like this. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot as well, as I mentioned. Um, this is kind of a random note to end on, but I forgot to mention it earlier, which is just one thing that might have helped is just the same way Game of Thrones has like a map in the credits. Oh, right. Yeah. I think that would have helped with the with this show uh, a little bit. I know that it doesn't qu- kind of jump around the map as much as Game of Thrones does, but I think that still would have been nice. Yeah, just to situate yourself a bit. Because they do, I think they have a map like once or something in a scene where they're like... At the very beginning, yeah. tactical, yeah. Like, here's the thing, here's this over here, here's that. And and it is relatively simple, but I think you need to like hammer it home. Because it's basically just like a big single continent piece of land. And then on one side you got East Ravka, then you got a big line. And then on the other side you got West Ravka. And then like brackets at top and bottom are like two other countries that we don't really hear that much about. They could also have had like little faces to show where all the different countries are. (laughs) But maybe (laughs) that wouldn't work. Um, Yeah, everyone should watch Shadow and Bone if you haven't already. Um, And let us know what you think by shooting us an email, info at originalcontentpodcast.com. That's info at originalcontentpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at originalcontent. And we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. Daryl, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.